This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is the Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Lionel Makokotlele is running late. Uh, Palesa, do you know about it? He's on his way. So we've got something to look forward to. He won't be long. Today's show is about uh, personal injuries as a result of motor collisions and uh, it's what you all want to know and need to know. And the questions always are, how are we going to be compensated for medical expenses? Will you be adequately paid for all your loss of earnings? And what about compensation for all that pain and suffering you've been through just because some asshole went through a stop street that nearly killed you, as they say? Now, if you think you know all the questions and answers, think again because the law is about to change on all this. And uh, the Road Accident Fund is to an extent having a makeover or it's going to be changed completely. It's intended to be replaced by the Road Accident Benefit Schemes, known as RABS. And this is not going to take long either because government is working hard to have it introduced as soon as possible. So when the uh, RABS bill was first published, this has been going on a few years, uh, the attorneys and the general public were up in arms because it was clear from the original bill that victims of road accidents would be a lot worse off regardless of how serious the injury is. And uh, I recall one of the media headlines at the time was Independent Online, and uh, I'm going to quote what they said. They said the proposal to change the road accident fund will rip off road users. <laughs> We're going to be answering today on personal injuries in motor collisions have been posted by members of Legal Talk South Africa on its Facebook page. And uh, I had a look today. Their membership is close to 127,000. It goes up uh, phenomenally. And uh, as you know, by now, we've teamed up with Ray Green, the founder of Legal Talk South Africa. And between them and us here at Cliff Central... Uh, we are developing quite a name for ourselves in answering your legal issues. So this is the place to be. Now, to help provide the answers today, we've got the best of the best once again. In studio, Pretoria attorney, Gert Nell, who heads up a prominent personal injury law firm in South Africa under the name Gert, G-E-R-T, Nell, N-E-L, Incorporated. He's a specialist on personal injury matters. He's also a member of the Law Society uh, Council, which is a very prestigious position. Welcome, Anir. Nice to have you in studio. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. Just to give you uh, our contact details, our email address, law at cliffcentral.com, our Facebook page, The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. Have a, have a look at it. Give us a like if you don't mind. And our Twitter handle, at Hertzlaw. Gert, thanks for making your way from Pretoria. Uh, we, we really have the best of the best on this particular subject today. What we're going to do is I'm going to take, we've taken questions off the Facebook page, as I've said, of Legal Talk South Africa, and I'm going to fire them at you and let's see how we go. Great. First one comes from Michelle. She says, can I claim from an accident? She goes into a bit of details. And who do you contact, she asks. And then Mark Carlson replies, you can visit any of the regional offices. And Ian Silifant says you can contact any attorney that specializes. So you've got two, con- two views here. Mark said you can go to the regional offices. I guess he's talking about the road accident fund. And Ian says you can t- contact an attorney that specializes. What's the right answer or isn't there one? There definitely is a right answer, Gary. You've got uh, a few options in terms of Section 19 of the Road Accident Fund Act as amended. You can engage the services of an attorney or you can do the claim yourself. And that is basically the two options that you've got. Of of recent, we've seen a movement by the Road Accident Fund 
to introduce a system of direct claiming uh, we as the road accident fund actually invites uh, the victims to engage the fund directly in order to uh, obviously uh, try and sidestep um, attorneys and uh, obviously the costs involved with engaging the services of an attorney uh, clearly, this is in contradiction of the Road Accident Fund Act, as the Act doesn't make provision for it. And being an adversarial system, it obviously takes out the objectivity of the person having to assess that claim. Um, if the uh, listeners have regard to the fact that if you go to the person that needs to decide how much he should pay you at the end of the day, obviously he's not going to pay you what, what the claim is worth at the end of the day. So uh, playing judge and jury... Uh, does not add up to the purpose of the what the Road Accident Fund Act was intended for. Okay, Gert, let's welcome Lionel. He's just running out of breath. Welcome, Lions. Thank you very much, Gary. Uh, better late than never. Oh, certainly. Lions, this is a topic you're very interested in, Extreme. as we all are. Mm-hmm. It's the Road Accident uh, Fund and the change that's coming about, the new law that everyone's expecting. The first question here is, do I go to my an attorney or do I go straight to the fund? Gert's been explaining that... Um, yeah, that you, in his view, you should go to an attorney. Correct. The question there is, Gert, when I go to an attorney, I'm paying away a percent of my claim on contingency. And that is around 25%. Uh, whereas if I go to the fund, I don't, they don't take anything. They just take my claim and they process it for me and I get my money. Or is it not that simple? (laughs) Gary, with all things, it's not that simple. Uh, It is indeed so. The general uh, approach of attorneys are to charge 25% on contingency. In my experience, from claims that we managed to salvage after people engage the services of the road accident fund directly, the opposite is actually also true, is that the value of the claims that they pay out is uh, about 25% of what the claim value is. Uh, if you look at and have all the medical reports that you should have in order to proper quantify those claims, you're sitting with a situation in which these people are usually undersettled in their claims. The, we, the fund is going to shout you down. They're going to say you're talking nonsense. We pay out max um, but you, but you're adamant about this. No, Gary, we had quite Where's a few. Where's the proof on this one, Chad? No, we've yeah. had quite a few instances, and some of my colleagues as well, we uh, members of the public engaged the fund, got settlements. I, for instance, had a particular matter where um, a, a, a paraplegic was offered 25,000 rand in full and final settlement of his claim, mm. and we managed to uh, take on the matter and settle the matter for just over 4 million rand, which was the true value of the claim at the time. So my concern is that the public doesn't know any better, and unfortunately they're playing to the poor, throwing money at them uh, with the uh, hope of the public accepting those um, offers that they made, if they're lucky enough to to receive an offer, uh, we've got uh, statistics uh, showing that the Road Accident Fund actually have thousands of the ma- these matters prescribed in their own hands. In other words, what they do is they engage the public at provincial hospitals. They've got offices there. They, they invite them to go the direct route. Are they ambulance chasing as well? <laughs> the the fund indeed in the oh, true really? sense do, of the do word they go, do they actually go to hospitals and they've they've got offices in provincial hospitals each and every provincial hospital in the country mm. as a RAF touting service that they uh, engage these patients in in hospital in the wards and they sign them up there and then they sign them up there and then oh. and uh, with obviously the uh, hope of having the claim settled quicker without having to pay an attorney. And obviously with vast amounts of money. Why are they other doing provinces. this, Kat? I mean, the, the answer is obvious. They're trying to get away with paying less if they do it themselves. Is this, is this why it's been done? That's, uh, I mean, that's an argument that, that I have is that it's actually a cash flow management system or the road accident fund. The more of these claims they can flush through the system, the less they would have to pay at the end of the day because they're depending on the fact that the layman doesn't know. Listen, maybe after five years, if I haven't heard anything from the fund, I should be concerned that either my claim has prescribed or the fund is, is really not going to do anything about my claim. So they're depending on the the unknowing um, um, victims not acting and, and getting a second opinion of attorneys. And we're seeing it more and more these days that people are wising up to the fact 
that the promises made by the road accident fund is not as truthful as they would hope. It, I it guess was. their argument is that lawyers are screwing the fund. They, they're running these matters to, to trial, to court. It's costing the fund a fortune in legal fees. So they might as well try and obviate the lawyers and try and settle these quickly and without problems. Uh, Gary, I don't yeah. think that's really the uh, motive behind this because the legal fees uh, touches upon the administration of the fund. And as we all know, the administration of the fund is not very good, mm. to say the least. Um, I mean, they're under review by the public protector at this stage for the administrative woes. And, uh, I mean, the Road Accident Fund Act, as it is written now, is actually a blueprint for the best possible social legislation that you can have. And it obviously dictates the terms and the time frames. In terms of the act, the claim should be settled within 120 days. The fund should make offers before then to put the uh, plaintiff attorneys at risk, which they don't do. So the unfortunate turn of events is that these costs run up and that uh, these matters have to be set down for trial in order to settle them. And interestingly enough, a few years ago, the Groskopf Commission was appointed to investigate whether there should be a separate court uh, for road accident fund matters. And the uh, outcome of that investigation was that seeing that only 3% of those matters actually go to litigation or go to trial, it was deemed not uh, necessary to do that. So the question is, why does the fund litigate to the extent that they do? And I think that's the real issue. I don't think the, the direct claim system, to me, is just a way to to oust unknowing victims out of what they should get at the end of the day. Pat, I know the Law Society is adamant about this one, that the public should not go directly to the fund, but should go to an attorney. And it's not just because they're protecting their brothers. The fact is that these claims are often extremely complicated, and uh, it, it's technical, and you need a good attorney who specializes in this, help you get maximum value. That's and exactly. that's the way it is. And by going to the fund, you're really going to the person who's kind of, you know, he's, he's playing judge and jury, really, which is wrong. Exactly. It, it should be, they, they should be a part, in my view, as well. Exactly. It still remains an adversarial system for the sole purpose of ensuring that the victims are compensated to the full extent of the law. Yeah. And the attorneys ensure that those victims, because they've only got one opportunity to claim, once the matter has become finalized, it's, it's the end of the road. So for many of these victims, it's a final paycheck. So the attorneys that, that act on behalf of these victims have to ensure, and they've, they're obligated to make sure that these victims are well attended to financially, medically, and uh, you know any contingencies that might come into play having regard to the victim's injuries must be attended to. I know you say as well that the fund has prescribed claims. They've neglected them, and people have lost their claims in effect. Now, if, you, if an attorney prescribes your claim, he's in big trouble because once a claim's prescribed, it's finished and clear, really, and then you've got to sue the attorney. That's, uh, th- yeah, that's that, what in practice. That's exactly right. Uh, what Gary, happens the, with the fund if they prescribe it? And how many have they prescribed in your? I've I've you seen a report from the fund that over a period of uh, three years, more than thirteen thousand of these direct claims have prescribed in the hands of the fund. So you mean the poor people out there that have been injured, thirteen thousand of them, that in effect lose their claim, or what happens to them? Well, at this stage, they don't have any claims whatsoever. So what they should do is to inquire from the fund what the status of the matters are, and they should engage the services of an attorney because, ironically enough, the only the attorneys can brief life back into those claims. You can sue the fund if they've prescribed the claim like you would. basically for dereliction of duty because Mm -hmm. once you take on and you stand into the shoes of an attorney, you should act like an attorney. What's the advice to people who have not heard from the fund for a long time or getting kind of some uh, silly answers from the fund that the matter's pending and it, it's, it's kind of taking an inordinate, inordinate amount of time. Should they go see an attorney? What should they do about that? Definitely. They have to engage the services of an attorney as quickly as they can in order to, to get the advice, do have the attorney do the research to make sure what exactly is the status of the matter, yeah. and then they will advise the client as to what action to take. If you're one of the 13,000 and you're listening that's been told you've got no claim for whatever reason, or you didn't get a proper claim or the fund messed it up for you, please see an attorney on that one. Exactly right. right. We have a question from Arlene. 
She says, I've seen regular queries regarding the Road Accident Fund on Legal Talk SA page, and I'm curious to know what is the future of the fund. Here we go. Tell us what's going on out there. Uh, we know the new Road Accident Benefit Scheme is on the cards. It's going to be the new accident law in town. Where is it holding at the moment? At this stage, uh, it is at Parliament, but um, it is still on a consultative uh, stage. So there is some uh, room still to have the um, concerns that we as a legal fraternity and the public have that can be addressed. Um, so at this stage, it's still you know, at a point that there is still something that we can do about it. And that's the importance of these kind of interviews that we alarm the, the public and the listeners to the fact that this is coming and that you should make sure that um, if changes are made, that you are prepared to, uh, you know, for what's coming because it is definitely going to have a detrimental effect to the public Let's in talk, general. Let's talk about some of the changes. Let me ask you one by one. Can you use an attorney if the when the new law comes in? The act or the bill doesn't stipulate that you are not allowed to engage the services of an attorney, but it's worded in such a way that it stipulates that there won't be any financial contribution whatsoever, uh, not even for an attorney, but also for financial assistance to get the medical reports that you're going to need to prove your claim or the accident report that you need to, to submit in order to show that you were in an accident in order to prevent fraud. So the, the, the act is really, or the bill is cleverly uh, worded to such an extent that it doesn't outright say attorneys aren't going to be part of the system, but by implication, they're not going to be able well, to. Well, if you're not going to get any money out of this as a, a personal injury attorney, you're not going to take on the matter. You work for a living, obviously. If you can't get costs out of the fund, out of the new fund, or yeah, it's called the fund. Will it be called the, the fund? Benefit, scheme benefit scheme or the administrator? No attorney is going to take on the matter. Therefore, they, the people have to go direct exactly. to the administrator. Exactly. And that's, I think, the importance of the previous uh, discussion we had on direct claims because it ties in with what's, what we can see happening in the, under the benefit scheme. Yep. In terms of the benefit scheme, the uh, victims are supposed to engage the administrator directly in, in other, without any assistance or financial assistance by the administrator. In other words, you are going to get people at rural areas that are not that are going to be disqualified even before they started because they won't be able to afford the medical records or to be able to engage the police station. Let's say, for instance, you you stay in Bochum, mm. in in uh, and you have you were involved in an accident, in Harry Smith. Yes. There's no way that you're going to be able to get that accident report because you, you won't be able to travel to Harry Smith to get those documents. Will the scheme not do it for you like the fund does it? No, they're not obligated. In terms of the act as it's currently written, they may assist you. Yeah. There's no they're obligation. Not yeah. They're not obliged to Let's do it. Let's take an example. Let's say if you can kind of give us what's happening now and what's going to happen when the new law comes in. A man has an accident. He loses both his legs. Tragic. He was a guy earning 50 grand a month, very happily married, lovely family, all cool until he lost his legs. What is going to happen and what will he get or what, what will he get now and what will he get then? Under the, the current dispensation, he'll be able to recover the medic, past medical expenses, future medical expenses by way of a certificate, yeah. uh, loss of earnings or loss of earning capacity. And general damages. In terms of the... Uh, just slowly, what does general damages mean? General damages yeah. is pain and suffering, loss of amenities. It's it's basically a lump sum amount. That runs into millions if you lose both your legs, would it, you say? It does. How much? Give me just a rough idea of what a person could get under the present law if he loses both his legs and he's a, he's an office worker earning fifty, sixty thousand a month. The, the, the main... Uh, quantifying factor in, in claims are loss of earnings. General damages are basically predetermined in terms of case law. Mm. So depending on, on the particular matter and the case law um, that is applicable at that point in time, a claim like that can be anything between uh, 2 and 5 million rand, depending on whether or not the cap is going to apply because the loss of earnings are capped to a certain extent. Yes. Yeah. Um, in terms of the benefit scheme, General damages are excluded, um, and he's going to receive a structured benefit. So, sorry, the two to five million rand is out. 
Yeah. He doesn't see that at all. He doesn't see that at all. Okay. And when uh, the new law comes in, he loses his legs, he gets nothing he, he for, on that level. He doesn't get anything on that no level. No general damages. Which is Can you believe that, Lance? It's, an, it's, it's, it's absurd, isn't it? Yes, it, yeah. is. It, it is disconcerning to the extent that many victims depended on a lump sum amount in order to get some sort of financial rehabilitation. Yeah. Yeah. If you take into account these claims take up to three years to, to finalize, mm. um, a victim builds up debt and, and all sorts of other obligations. Mm. So if there's no financial assistance by way of a lump sum amount, these people have no chance of getting any financial rehabilitation whatsoever. Okay, so let's talk about this very guy under the new law. He's been in hospital for six months, five months, whatever it may be. He comes home. He's got no legs. He's lost his job. Um, what will he get in total? He will definitely uh, get medical treatment. Uh, um, we'll discuss that a bit later, the tariff to which medical treatment would be rendered. So at a provincial hospital? At a provincial hospital at this yeah. stage because no tariffs with the private, private medical sector has been secured yet. Mm. And obviously no general damages. And then he will get a uh, loss of earnings on a, a capped basis and also in a structured benefit. So there's no lump sum payment. So he will receive a, depending on what his income was, he will receive a, a portion of his income. Paid monthly. Paid monthly to there's him. No, there's no lump sum. No lump sum amount. Now what about the arrears on his bond and all that? Where's, where's that all going to come that, from? That is where the listeners should take note that you should start making plans that you should get top of cover and, and medical insurance in place because this is definitely, if you're earning above the, the cap, which is at this stage roughly 250,000 rand per year, you're not going to be covered in terms of the benefit scheme. At um, all? At all. You're going to get medical, they, they're offering you medical treatment, but you're going to have a medical aid in any event, so yeah. it's going to be of no consequence. You're never going to use it, but, uh, but you're going to contribute to that benefit scheme. Yeah. So um, we've got a, you've got an interesting scenario. Let's say, for instance, this person was a final year medical student um, and he's injured under the benefit scheme. Mm. Or let's, let's go back let's and, call and it use the, new the, law, less, the old law. The yeah. old law. Yeah. That, that medical student will um, be able to do career pathing. In other words, we will take into account what his income would have been if we think away the accident. So he'll be placed financially in the position that he would have been if the accident didn't occur. Under the Sorry, you get actuarial reports to show what he would, mm. how long correct. he'd live for, what he'll earn and all you, the rest. You take into yeah. account he's a final year medical student and obviously opportunities and, and whatnot income. Um, that's under the law now. That's right. And yeah. he gets a lump sum payment, including uh, general damages and, and uh, obviously loss of earnings, which is capitalized. And the idea is that he should invest that and that should be spread over the lifespan that, that is left to him. Mm. Under the benefit scheme or the new act, uh, such a medical student will be regarded as unemployed. In other words, they will earn uh, the annual national income, which is about 4,500 rand per month. And they're going to receive that as a structured benefit. Now, and that is the total of what that person would be so able to So this medical claim. student, his life is kind of over. He's it's over. Yeah. And you, you get a situation in which, uh, you know, families depend on their children that go to university to support them at yeah. the end of the day. Now you get a situation like this and that whole uh, idea is, is, is taken aback because there won't be any financial assistance or support there. Mm. It's actually tragic when you think about it uh, That this is going to be the ruination of lives If people are involved in an accident And whether it's their fault or not their fault It makes no difference It makes no difference If some, if some idiot comes through a stop street and, and smashes into you It makes no difference it makes You've no got difference. no claim at all as such really no, uh, For it, your future In terms of yeah. the uh, benefit scheme uh, Just to, to compare the two again In terms of the current act You've got um, full compensation in other words, you can claim as much as you can claim in terms of the current law. In terms of the benefit scheme, um, you're not allowed to claim from the person that caused the damages. In fact, he's got exactly the same rights as you do. And as you've explained, if he drives into onto a sidewalk, kills five people, he's injured after driving into a pole or a coffee shop or whatever, he still has the same rights as any of those victims that he killed or maimed um, in the process. And... Um, Based upon the fact that the benefit scheme will be a no-fault system and it's a, a, a structured benefit as well, so it's it's there for everybody that can access. What about a scheme. passenger? 
what's his rights? Is he no better off than the driver? Not at all. Ex- under, under exactly the, new the law, same. Under, the under the new same. law, you just have to prove that you were involved in an accident. Why is, what is the rationale behind government doing this? Government is claiming that the, a no-fault system on a structured benefit would be cheaper than the current dispensation. Now, on the most recent figures that we received from the uh, Department of Transport, uh, based upon calculations that we that is really not cast in stone yet because there's no medical tariff, there's only a 20% saving between the current system and the benefit scheme. So, I mean, if we have a look at the, the wastage of the, the legal expenses currently under the Road Accident Fund as we know it, that 20% saving could be made as is and still offer the victims the widest possible cover mm. and, and not having to pay um, extra at the end of the day because with the benefit scheme, obviously no fault. You've got the RAF and you've got the benefit scheme that you have to finance. So it's quite evident that uh, based upon the fact that the road accident fund currently has financial problems, um, it's going to be no secret that under the benefit scheme, topping that onto the already despondent RAF system in terms of their financial situation is going to be problematic. Mm. And the only outcome there would be is for government to increase the fuel levy, adding onto the taxpayer's pocket. So that's something that we should be concerned about as well. Are we sure that the money they're going to save is not going to go to ETOLs? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm being flippant, but I think this, there could be a measure of truth. Yeah. It's Department of Transport, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Gary, yeah, and, and interestingly enough, under the current dispensation, the fuel levy is ring-fenced to compensate victims. Under the benefit scheme, it's not going to be ring-fenced. So I have no doubt that it's definitely going to be used to cross-subsidize other departments because the victims aren't going to be able to have access to the scheme. So mm. the scheme is just going to start growing and and getting into a positive again, but without any people being able to access those At benefits. the bottom line, it would appear to be under the new law that will be coming in, is that you have to have your own insurance. Correct. And if you don't, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Wow. So, um, yeah, Lange, you wanted to ask something. No, yeah. certainly. Can the, can the bill be challenged uh, at the, uh, via constitutional uh, court? If if passed and people are not happy with the with the with the terms and conditions that it outlined, yes, definitely there are some concerns that we already have regarding the constitutionality of the bill. Uh, for instance, the medical tariff that I've been talking about, um, and obviously the the um, disqualification of a person access to court, and or the um, the fact that, for instance, um, children that are abroad. And maybe lose a parent in, in South Africa wouldn't be able to claim from the, the fund. So there's definitely some classes of claimants that would be excluded in terms of the benefit scheme. Good question, Lance. Let's take a question here from Mina, M-I-N-A, Pretoria. She says, I was in an accident when I was nine years old. And uh, her parents didn't claim from the road accident fund because they didn't know anything about it in those days. She still has scars on her face from the accident. Can I still put in a claim or is it too late? Um, she was nine when it happened. She, assuming she's 18 now or she's 25 now, yeah. is there a difference? If she's 18 now, she still has three years in which to lodge a claim. Um, the prescription doesn't run against minors. In other words, once you turn 18, the three years comes into play. Unfortunately, if she's 25, she wouldn't be able to claim. Yeah, so it's 18 plus 3, and then that's the end. That's it. So if your parents made a mistake at 18, you've got to wise up. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Nadine from uh, Mangaung says uh, she's asking for a friend. Line, we like these. We're going to ask for a friend <laughs> who was in a bike accident in 2008. Can he still claim from the road accident fund? The same three-year rule applies. Bike accident or not, it's it's still the same. And the, the, the listeners should just take um, note of the fact there has to be another vehicle involved. It, it can't be a single vehicle or motorbike accident. Well, let's talk about a hit and run. Lucky wants to know that. Lucky Makofani, he says, um, he was. I think he was injured or he gives a comment about hit and run. Hit and run, uh, the prescription rule reduces to two years. So if it's a hit and run matter, the victim's should make a way and ensure that they uh, lodge their claims within two years after the accident. There's something interesting from Johan or John van der Vent. He says medical records are only kept for five years 
and uh, you need to make sure they don't get destroyed before then if you're going to put in a claim. Is that true? Do that, that is a concern. Uh, generally speaking, that is the rule, and that's why it's important that um, victims should engage the services of an attorney as quickly as they can after an accident because records do tend to get lost mm. or the longer you wait, the more difficult it becomes in order to um, get hold of those documents that you need to lodge your claim with the fund. There, there are a few questions, and I hate dealing with these, but it's a fact of life. Neo is writing about an attorney who doesn't tell her what's going on with her claim and uh, she has a bad feeling about it. Uh, Candace as well said something about the same thing. Unfortunately, as a specialist uh, personal injury attorney, you're seeing some of the claims that come to you, attorneys prescribing these claims. Gary, yes, it does happen. What what the listeners should take note of is if you instruct an attorney, he is working for you. So it's your full right to engage that attorney at any time, either by way of a telephonic call or a consultation to ensure that the attorney is doing what he's supposed to do. Actually, the attorneys depend on their clients getting feedback, especially under the current Road Accident Fund Act. It's very important that that um, channel of communication is kept open because the attorneys need to stay aware of their clients' physical and mental conditions going uh, towards settlement of these matters. So my advice to uh, the listeners should be is to uh, try and arrange a consultation with your attorney. If you're still not happy about that, then you are allowed to consider making use of the services of another attorney. And the attorneys more often than not have arrangements between each other in order to ensure that uh, the file is taken over, the at- previous attorney is um, uh, paid back his fees for services rendered, and um, you know everything should be able to to go smoothly. And as a last resort, if they're still unhappy, the Law Society will also be able to assist with information to that extent. Coincidentally, right after this podcast, we're doing a show with a man called Thomas Harbin, and uh, he's going to talk to us about the Attorney's Insurance Fund and how if uh, an attorney does botch, or not botch, prescribe your claim or botch it, they're there to help. So it's going to be a very pleased, uh, try and pick up that one. It's straight after this. We're going to be talking to the gent from from the Attorney's Insurance Fund. It'll be very, very interesting. Gert, you do this every day of your life. Give us some things, pointers that the public should should be aware of, should take into account when when they're injured in an accident. The most important thing is information. You need to secure as much information as you can from the accident scene, doctors, um, police records or details, case numbers, and witnesses. Witnesses are very important, seeing that we're still uh, having a fault system. In other words, you still need to prove who was at fault at the end of the day. Mm. So witnesses are always important. And then, obviously, do your research. Make sure that you secure the services of a credible attorney. Uh, these days, with the Internet, it's not difficult to see who the guys are that do this work quite a lot. And um, there are very good attorneys out there that specifically do road accident fund work that's got a reputation to do good work and to get great results at the end of the day. So then the moment that you've secured that, you can rest assured that that attorney will do his level best to make to to get you what you're supposed to receive at the end of the day. There's one guy I'd like to try and help. His name is Colin. He says, I was in an accident on Saturday, and my friend was hurt, but I wasn't hurt too bad. Just a few bruises. Um, people have whiplash, they have bruises, they have sprained ankles, whatever. Do they have a claim right now under the current law? It's As it is, he won't have a claim because the Right Accident Fund Act, um, as it's been amended in 2008, only makes provision for serious injuries. You have to be 30% old person impaired now. The easiest way to describe that would be a person that's got an amputation or serious brain damage. Mm. So anything in between is a bit of a gray area. Uh, my advice usually when the client engages me with these questions is to give it a bit of time, give it six or eight months, see whether or not there is still a reoccurring problem with the injuries, and then it's that much easier to make a case. Yeah, whiplash can start off as a nothing and land up with a serious neck injury. Exactly, that's so the problem. So give it time, you're right. That, that's the that. problem. You have to make sure, get all the paperwork ready. 
it might not be possible uh, or viable to lodge a claim immediately, but mm. I mean, you've got three years yeah. time. If Wait after two time, years, yeah. uh, you can still engage an attorney to, to uh, lodge that claim. He also has a claim for, although the injury may be minor, he has a claim for loss of earnings, doesn't he? Yes, if yeah. that is a factor. Yeah. Mm. So if you may have bruises and be off work for uh, a week or two, and if there's a loss of of employment. Yes, uh, he would be able would to claim that. that, but obviously you have to weigh up the costs in relation to the value of the claim as well. If we're talking about a week or two's loss of earnings, mm. it's not going to be financially viable to do a claim because it's going to cost more to to prove that claim at the end of the day. I think the big concern today from my side is hearing about RABS and, and how the payouts are going to be so limited that uh, you know it's 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 kind of tragic. Yeah. yeah, Gary. The concern is that you know the Department of Transport is selling it as a pro poor act or bill, which uh, on face value might seem like it because they make provision for no fault. In other words, they tell it, they are telling the public that anybody would be able to claim regardless. So if you if you if you come one hundred percent negligent. You're standing in the middle of the road talking to your friend and a car comes over the hill and, and knocks you over. You're 100% wrong, for instance. Under the new law, you'll still have 100% of your claim. Yeah, correct. Yeah. But the, the, the trick comes in, in in being able to engage the road accident or the benefit scheme or administrator at the time. Because it's one thing to say it's no fault. Everybody would be able to claim, but you still need to jump through hoops in order to access those benefits. And interestingly enough, those benefits... Maybe, for instance, um, in in terms of loss of earnings, those earnings or benefits may be stopped at any time. Yeah. It falls away when the um, beneficiary is deceased. So in other words, you get a situation in which you, where you've got a breadwinner, he's got a family, two children. He's injured in an accident. He gets a structured benefit. Now he dies as, as a result of complications from his injuries. Now his benefits also ceases to pay. So you're sitting with a family of three that's left behind that don't have any financial assistance whatsoever. Mm. Um, and obviously there's not going to be any uh, um, inflationary adjustments to whatever the benefit is at the end of the day. And this whole benefit scheme or structured benefits are all dependent on affordability. Yeah. And the concern is that the department is selling it as a cheaper system, even though we don't know what the tariff is going to be for the medical um, uh, treatment that they're affording under the benefit scheme, it might be a, a more uh, um, more costly exercise than they think. Mm. And and the problem is once it's in, we have to deal with this. And um, so it's important that the public and all of us be aware of the fact that we can still do something about it, make, make government aware of the fact that we, there, there might be changes needed, but not to the extent that the benefit scheme um you know, has installed for the victims. Alternatively, the insurance companies are going to have a field day because you're going to have to you insure yourself. Like you take out your own medical aid, this will be another mm-hmm. insurance you'll have to cover yourself for. Definitely. They, they, the yeah. uh, more affluent victims yeah, would absolutely. be able to afford that. The unfortunate yeah. thing is that the poor is going to suffer yeah. because they won't be able to engage the administrator either financially yeah. or um, if they had, if they, even if they do engage the administrator, they can decide to, to withhold those benefits for no particular reason or if, they've, if there's a, a set of rules in terms of the benefit scheme bill that they have to follow, if they fault in any one of those uh, prerequisites, they, they, the benefits won't be paid to them. Because, so it's a very – it's a minefield of administrative um, um, errors that they have to negotiate in order to get those benefits, which unfortunately my fear is that the, the layman won't be able to engage. Yeah, Lines, uh, we've heard it uh, from the horse's mouth. It's been so interesting. Many thanks to Gert Nell. He's a specialist personal injury attorney. I suppose you're concentrating now more on uh, medical neg- negligence cases. Uh, Gary, we've, been, yeah, we've yeah. been doing it for quite some time already, but obviously yeah, we have to be mindful of the fact that the, the law might change yeah. and that uh, we have to look at other avenues of personal injury law as well. If you need a good lawyer on this aspect of law, it's Gatnell of Pretoria, Gatnell Inc. May I take one moment to mention the National Wills Week, which is coming up between the 11th and 15th September. And uh, here you can get a free will. 
So let an attorney write your will for free. It's been organized by the Law Society. There's an attorney. There are few attorneys in every town, in every province. For a list of the attorneys, please go to uh, the Law Society of South Africa's website, and it will give you the province. You click on that, the town, it will give you all the attorneys. It's not for a very complex will, but for your average simple will. Here's a will for Mahala. There's not much a lawyers do for nothing, but this is one of them. Uh, yeah, so uh, there's your free will for you. Please make use of this because it's a Law Society initiative. Don't feel bad about getting the lawyer to do it for nothing. Well done, Law Society. We appreciate it. Good. Thank you very much. Now we'll see you again. Uh, when, when this law comes, the closer it gets, the, we'll have to bring you in again. Please to do. Uh, warn us. Yeah. Oh, well, definitely. Many thanks. Cheers for now. Pleasure. Thank you, Gary. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. Presenting the Attorney's Fidelity Fund and the Attorney's Insurance Indemnity Fund on cliffcentral.com. Your champions in the legal profession. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is the Laws of Life on cliffcentral.com. Alongside me today, Lionel Makokotlela. Welcome, Lions. Thank you very much, Gary. And thank you to our podcasters for supporting us. We have one of our favorite guests back. You know him very well. It's oh, yes. Thomas Harbin. And uh, he's an admitted attorney. He's the general manager of the Attorneys Insurance Indemnity Fund, known as AIIF. And yep. they're my neighbors, by the way, in Centurion. Oh, geographical neighbors. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. There you go. Okay. The uh, This is a further feature in our series on the Attorneys Insurance Indemnity Fund. And uh, the very erudite Thomas Harbin, who writes consistently in the Attorneys Magazine, De Ravis, for us... Attorneys is here in studio with us. Welcome again. Great to have you. Good afternoon, Gary, and a pleasure to be back here. Good. Thank you very much for that introduction. Uh, Thomas, you are the very erudite because uh, I think I don't know where you get all the material from, but week after week after week, us lawyers read in the day with some article that you've written that is of great importance to us. So we appreciate it. You probably lie awake at night thinking, what am I going to write about next week? <laughs> I do, Gary. Thank you. And a lot of what I write is taken from, as we call them, war stories, what we see in dealing with claims that have been brought against practicing attorneys. Okay, so Thomas, let's fire at you the first one. Explain to us, uh, maybe just a little, very briefly, about the Attorney's Insurance Indemnity Fund, what the fund is, and then we'll we'll move on from there. The AIIF is an insurance company that was established by the Attorney's Fertility Fund in 1993. The AIIF provides a level of professional indemnity insurance to all practicing attorneys in South Africa. This We've looked around the, 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 the world and as well as in South Africa with other professions as, as well. And we have not come across a similar scheme anywhere in the, in the world where members of a particular prof- profession get some insurance at uh, no cost to themselves. Mm. Okay, so basically, if your attorney prescribes your claim or botches your claim or messes up your claim and you suffer a loss due to the negligence of your lawyer, then there's a claim against that lawyer and that's where you guys kind of fit in. So let's ask you this question. What should a member of the public do if an attorney is negligent in carrying out that instruction? The member of the the public should first of all go and see another attorney. The, The new attorney will either send a letter of demand or issue summons or take some action in order to demand compensation from the first attorney. 
the attorney who has breached the mandate or, or was negligent will then re- report the matter to us as, as the AWIF. And if it is a matter that falls within the ambit of the, of the AWIF, we'll deal with it. If the attorney is liable, we will compensate the, the member of the public. So the member of the public cannot come to you in the first instance and say, hey, that, that attorney has messed up my claim. They have to go to someone else who will then – it's a bit like a motor accident – uh, you you go and you you write a letter to the guy who caused the accident and then he takes it to his insurance company. That is it's correct. a similar kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. What kind of cover, or what is covered, or who is covered by the AIF? All practicing attorneys in South Africa are covered by the AIF, and what we do, 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 we cover are claims arising out of the conduct of the profession. If I could just explain that, yes. this is work that. An attorney will normally carry out whether it's drafting commercial agreements, whether it's conducting litigation for for clients, or the drafting of 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 a will for the, for a client. All those types of services that an attorney normally carries out will be covered by the AWF. However, we have noted that certain activities that attorneys carry out in in their in their firm do not fall within the conduct of the profession, and those aren't covered. If I can give an example, some attorneys in, in the outlying areas, for example, who maybe act as auctioneers or, or also act as sheriffs of, of, of the court, those mm. claims aren't covered. Similarly, attorneys who are running investment schemes or Ponzi schemes out of, of, of their firms, those are not covered by us because that falls outside of the conduct of the profession. Mm-hmm. And I think Attorneys should should be careful not to conduct services that, that fall outside of the conduct of the profession, and if they do, they should know that they won't be covered. And similarly, members of of the public should be careful in dealing with the attorney. Make sure that you are consulting with an attorney to uh, do the legal work. Thomas, if I want to find out if my attorney is in good standing with the law society and I can deal with him with trust, and I know that he's covered. Well, just give me an idea. How do I, as a member of the public, handle this? Your, your first point, your point of call would be the law society because the law society in the area where the attorney practices mm. will be able to give you that information. Yeah. Uh, uh, but the AWF will, will cover an attorney and this is where the, the public protection uh, Aspect of of our services is, is is important. We cover those attorneys who are either in possession of a fertility fund certificate or liable to apply for one. So, if a, a member of the public instructed an, an an attorney and it turned out that that attorney had not had, did not have a fertility fund certificate, we will still entertain the the. The, the claim because in many instances this is information which an ordinary person, person wouldn't know about. Wouldn't know. Yeah. So. Okay, so that's good good news. So even if my attorney is not up to date and he's in arrears with his uh, with his subs and that, you still cover him because yes, he ought to have paid it, and that's yes. that's really the test. Excellent. What kind of cover is there available? I mean, if my claim, uh, as we heard in the previous podcast, which is a very good one. On uh, road accident matters, a guy loses his legs. He's got a claim of millions at the moment. Is that covered? Yes, uh, uh, that's uh, that's covered. Sorry, the, if the, the attorney prescribes it, it doesn't put in the claim. Yeah. Well, the the attorney would will enjoy a certain level of of cover with the AWIF. Yes. The amount of cover that an attorney will enjoy is dependent on the number of partners in the firm. It's a sliding scale for. A sole practitioner, it's one million five hundred and sixty-two thousand five hundred rands, whereas it's, it's, it's a large firm of, of fourteen and, and or more partners, uh, the cover is three million one hundred and twenty-five thousand rands. The attorney pays no premiums. This is an automatic cover that uh, is provided to attorneys, which covers the public. Well, fantastic, isn't it? Yes, it, it's, it is, yeah. and this is uh, really the. This was an initiative of, of the Fidelity Fund to protect both the profession and the public. I, I and guess the question everyone wants to ask, and I know I'm maybe veering here, is um, where's the money coming from, all this money coming from in this, to get into this fund to cover the lawyer? Well, 
this uh, money comes from the interest generated on the attorney's trust accounts. That interest goes to the fertility fund, and one of the services that the, that the, that the fund then carries out is to pay the premium on behalf of practitioners. But I must warn, as all good things come to an end in the near future, when the, when the new Legal Practice Act comes into full effect, attorneys will be called on to make a contribution. But there will be formal com- communication with the law societies and the profession at, mm-hmm. at that stage. All good things come to an end. <laughs> Can't have a free ride forever. That's <laughs> ah, damn it. Uh, uh, that was a very good way of actually trying to say prepare yourselves, yeah, lawyers. Absolutely. The, uh, we, we as lawyers often get asked or often get leveled the accusation, hey, you're holding on to my money and you're earning the interest on it, so that's why you don't pay me quickly. Truth is money in trust account does not go to the lawyer himself. It goes to the law society. That is so uh, yeah, if we hold your money, it's because we're a bit slow in coming forward, but we don't profit from it, lawyers. That Interesting, is, isn't it? That is correct. I'll just put the exception with those lawyers yeah. who misappropriate. Uh, yeah. uh, trust money is unfortunately. Yeah, no, those are the, the bad guys. Uh, Thomas Harvin, you're going to be back with us, aren't you, in future? I, I think you're on our schedule and we've got so many things to cover. Before I let you go today, because you've come from Centurion, we appreciate it. Is there anything you want to add to the discussion before we say tata? Yes, there, there is. And uh, this follows on the earlier podcast with, with, uh, Nell. And the, the question that that came through, it's important for members of the of the public. After you've instructed an an attorney, don't just walk away and hope that one day you'll the attorney will come back and and account to you on what has transpired in in your matter. It's important to ask for regular updates. The attorney is 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 a service provider, as you you'd expect with any other service provider. Ask them for, for updates, and in that way, you'll be protecting your own interests. For, for one, the attorney will be forced to apply his, his or her mind to, to your matter so that it doesn't prescribe. Mm-hmm. Secondly, if the attorney receives funds on, on your behalf or holds funds on your behalf and you keep asking for, 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 an, for an accounting, uh, could you imagine that it There's something more wrong. difficult mm-hmm. to, uh, for, yeah. for the attorney to see it? There's something yes. wrong. Yeah. So it's important uh, Please don't uh, and just don't accept uh, an, ex- a, an explanation that your matter is being attended to with, without anything more concrete. Placed Great advice, you. Lines. You with a firm of attorneys at the moment, aren't you, Lines? Certainly, it's yeah. named Attorneys. They're yeah. very good, and yeah. we basically do a lot with properties and anything to do with litigation mm. and banking law. Okay, Gareth Cliff is going to charge you for this promotion. You know that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Lines, uh, your firm is uh, Sneem and Yes, and they're in Pretoria. We've been in business for yeah. the last eight years. Oh. Eighty, yes. Okay, that, excellent. Their heritage is very strong, and the well, business well is good. For those who don't know, I'm Gary Hertzberg, and my firm. <laughs> 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 My mother rates me one of the finest attorneys in town. I'm but you're you doing very well, yeah. Gary. I mean, you're based in Sanson, if I can punt that for you. Yeah. And you deal quite a lot with uh, uh, financial irregularity yeah. investigations. And yeah, you're do. one of those top lawyers. Yeah. Many thanks, Lyons. And to Thomas Harbin, it's been an absolute pleasure. We've only scratched the surface. You're going to be back, sir. And I'm really enjoying the entire discussion on this aspect. There's so much more to cover. Thank you to our listeners very much for listening. Until next time, cheers for now. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.